It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. Your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I am your host, as always, Griffin Youngs. I hope you have enjoyed your week so far to this point. And this episode might be a little different because, believe it or not, we've got we got things to talk about. Actual stuff, not just obscure news, speculation, actual stuff, games, stuff to analyze, actual news from Jared Bednar himself. We've got a whole three games of the rookie tournament to look at. We've got actual training camp updates, which I was not expecting to see today. I was planning for this fully to be the the rookie tournament episode, but we've got a sizable amount of news from the mouth of Jared Bednar himself as we get ready for training camp, which, believe it or not, is in a couple of days. We are less than a week away from the Avalanche's first preseason game against the Golden Knights. I told you guys that this was coming fast, and we are already at the end of September. This time in a month, we will already be well over a week into the season. I am very, very ready to get started. Now, I was thinking back like yesterday, just looking back at last season and how that went. I compare how I felt then to now, and I feel completely different. I am so ready for this season. I am so excited to get back to a somewhat normal season and to be doing a normal season on this show for the first time. Because looking back on it now, I realize my excitement for last season was almost entirely generated from the fact that I now had this show to do. Because I was thinking about the that period of time before the season where I was just getting ready for a different season and my usual just grind at fansided and going back to to online college I really wasn't all that excited for the season I was excited for hockey but it was so soon after the bubble which was already weird and it was in January and we were talking about the season coming back in December which totally threw off my body clock and the the novelty of playing the the same teams eight times in a row I kind of realized after a few days that 
the fun of that would wear off very quickly, especially for a team like the Avalanche, where we would be playing L.A., Anaheim, Arizona, and the like more than half of the season. And maybe I just have to re-listen to some of my early episodes that I did before last season began to really gauge my excitement for last season again, but I feel completely different now. I am so genuinely excited for this season, not just for the Avalanche and to see what they can do, but for the whole league. Like, I have so many questions, so many players have changed hands, and I just, I truly cannot wait to get started. Just with last season, I didn't really know what to expect. I had this show all of a sudden to do, which I was very excited for, and I think I was more excited to start doing the show than I was for the actual season, because we weren't really going to get a regular season, if you know what I mean. Like, we had basically four separate leagues at that point that were going to meet the best of each in the playoffs. So this season, I have a totally different vibe heading into it. The The Central Division rundown that I've been doing for the last several weeks has amped my excitement even more, getting everyone's takes on what's going to happen with their team in the Central Division, and even just trying to do like a, a general prediction for each division has been way harder than I imagine. And that alone excites me for this season as well, because I genuinely have no idea what's going to happen. I feel like we're in for a very, very exciting season. And um, I think me and a lot of other people were very burnt out at the end of last year as well. I'm, de I'm definitely not alone with that. I'm sure if I listen back to some of the episodes where we were playing like the Sharks at the end of the season, like four times in a row and the Kings like four times in, what was it, like a two-week span? I don't think I had a lot of energy for that at that point, but I am so ready for this season so ready to see the Blackhawks on opening day. I'm so ready to see the Avalanche in person when they come to Washington on the 19th. It's just There's just so much to be excited about for the first time in what feels like ever. I mean, it's been a long time since things have even been somewhat normal in hockey. I mean, March of 2020 was not, was not yesterday. That was a year and a half ago that COVID shut everything down and forced us into this year-and-a-half fever dream that was the bubble and last year's shortened season with the weird divisions and playing the same teams over and over again. Looks like there's some thunder outside as I'm recording this now. Hopefully that doesn't screw up the audio too much, but I just can't wait to get started, and it's, it's just really hit me over the last couple days that we are really getting there. And we, development camp is already come and gone, training camp in a couple of days, and already have some general news. Like, I'm just, I, I can't wait. Even now, we have things to talk about already with the development camp already done. The Avalanche's three games of the, the rookie tournament done and done. We can catch up on that as the rain starts to come down here hopefully that doesn't show up too much on the audio i guess i've been i guess i've been lucky with this show and thunderstorms somehow but i guess not tonight i mean 81 episodes in i haven't really had to deal with thunderstorms while i'm recording i guess i can count myself lucky but i guess not today but the rookie tournament's done 
and in the books, the Avalanche win two of the three games. One goes to overtime. I mean, they pretty much got one of everything. They got a loss, an overtime win, and a regulation win. Plenty of storylines to come out of it. I mean, you can't really take a ton out of these tournaments, especially for NHL prospects, but still some things to talk about here. We can start with game number one, where they got beat up pretty badly by the, the LA Kings. Now, the Kings have an outstanding prospect pool, and also they're kind of a group that's played a lot together in the AHL with, I believe, the was it the Ontario Reign, and this Avalanche group had not, and it showed up extensively on the ice. Every advantage in this game went to LA, and it shows up on the scoreboard with a, a 4 nothing decision. The Avalanche were outshot 47-23, to and clearly weren't 100% ready to go. Not a lot of chemistry against a team that, frankly, has a better prospect pool. Like, the Kings have the best prospect pool in the league, I'm pretty sure, even with some of their players having graduated with guys like Byfield, who were very good in this game, and all their other prospects. And like I said, they've played together with each other in the AHL, which, which a lot of these guys with the Avalanche just have not. That chemistry just wasn't there. So you've got a discrepancy in talent and a discrepancy in chemistry, which is a recipe for a very bad outing, which is what this was. And like I said, we were outshot 47-23 to 23 in this game, and this could have been a lot worse if not for Eustace Ananen. I hope I pronounce his name right. I haven't seen a pronunciation for him there, but he stops... 47, or he stops 43 of 47 shots, and the team admitted, Newhook specifically admitted, that they kind of hung him out to dry a little bit, but they all like his potential and what he can do down the road, and there were a couple mistakes for him. He kind of gave up a goal to Quinton Byfield a couple times, or just the one time on the that turnover in front of his own net, and for a 21-year-old goalie who we drafted in the third round of 2018, yes, 2018, to see him playing that well and responding so well to, to NHL quality competition, which, let's face it, a lot of the Kings guys at very least are AHL quality guys. And in this tournament, that does mean a lot because for the Avalanche, they had some guys who are not even at that point yet, and a lot of other teams are the same way. I mean, this this Kings team is deep. They're they're... Their prospect pool is very good. I can't stress that enough. This is not the typical Kings that you see on the ice in the NHL over the last few seasons. This is one of the strongest prospect pools in the league, and they have been very good over the last few years in a lot of these tournaments. But without a lot of bright spots to talk about for the Avalanche here, even with Newhook and Byram and Bowers playing in this game, who will bring it more positively later, really the only bright spot I could take away from this was Eustace Annan. And to be fair, I can't I couldn't watch any of these games because you could only stream them in Colorado. And as you know, I don't live in Colorado. I live in Maryland. So I was kind of shit out of luck with that. So I had to kind of rely on the live updates and the analysis that comes out after the game. But I'm doing my best with what I have. With rookie tournaments, I think you got to cut me a little bit of a break that maybe I can't access those here. But I like what I've seen from Ananen in this game, even with just the poor performance from 
everybody in this game. And also, like, for a guy like Byram, it's the first game that he's played since March where he had that injury against Vegas. Like, this was the first time he'd been on, like, a somewhat professional ice surface in six months at that point. So for him, probably a little bit of rust to knock off as well. And not really a whole lot to talk about with this one other than it could have been worse if Adenin didn't play as well as he did. No one picks up any points or any goals. Everything just looked kind of sloppy, honestly. Like a team just going up against a team that with better players and more chemistry, kind of exactly how you'd expect it to go. But their next game went a lot better. Granted, still some issues, but much better. The 5-4 to four overtime win against the Ducks uh, did not start well at all. The first period was actually quite terrible, to be honest. It was not good at all, really. I think they only had like a couple shots on goal. I mean, the Ducks were crushing them really early on in this game. It looked like it was going to be an even worse version of the Kings game against a Ducks team that does not have as strong of a system, but... They came back with a much stronger second period and scored, I believe, three straight goals in the second period at a certain point. Yeah, they scored three goals in the second period to pull away with it a little bit. They got Boucher, Bowers, and O'Brien scoring goals in that second period. Uh, Worth noting that uh, Boucher took down Trevor Zegras at a certain point, I believe, with a slash that sent Trevor Zegras off the ice in a lot of pain, which caused a couple fights later in the game. Boucher had to stand up for himself after that. Zegras did not return, but it doesn't seem like it'll be serious for Zegras, and he should be fine for training camp for the Ducks, because I just haven't really seen anything that would indicate otherwise but obviously wouldn't make sense for them to bring Zegras back into the game at all who knows if that would have changed anything in this game because Zegras is one of the best prospects in the league and has a real shot at winning the Calder this season with the Ducks but that was something that had to happen at a certain point another weird thing in this game that kept getting talked about was the the referees like screaming at Bo Byram in like the second period of this game like not like addressing him or like telling him to knock something off like going up to him and screaming at him and uh AJ Hayfley said it had something to do with Byram like didn't like didn't throw a puck at them but like was trying to give them a puck like uh, he shot it at them but not with like malicious intent he was giving them the puck for the face-off, and they must have misinterpreted that as, like, a, let's hurry this up, or, like, he disagreed with something. So they're, they are literally screaming at him to show some respect, and poor Byram's just standing there like, what the fuck is going on? What did I do? Like, weird, right? Like, you're screaming at a teenager to show you some respect in the rookie tournament because you misunderstood what he did? Like... Officials just get on my nerves sometimes, same as everybody. They, it's power tripping. Like sometimes they just, they're power tripping. They have authority, so they just feel like they can just start screaming at people and just a very weird situation overall. But regardless, the Avalanche scored three unanswered goals, some depth guys getting in, especially a, 
a Matthew Boucher and a Jack O'Brien. And obviously you got Shane Bowers getting on the board as well. Bowers would pick up another one to make it a 4-2 game in the third period. And then the with the, the net empty, the Ducks score two goals in the final minute to tie the game at four, which is never good. They With a little over a minute left, they pull the goalie and they score twice, which could have been a big deflation point for the team, but they do still get the win anyway. Byram wins it with a shot from the point. Ramta was standing in front, so they pull it out nonetheless. And a lot of their big guns come through in this game because Byram obviously gets the game winner. Newhook got four assists, I believe, in this game as well. He had the assist on Bauer's first goal, secondary assist on Jack O'Brien's goal, and did he have an assist? Yeah, he had the assist on the second Byram goal and the primary assist on Byram's winning goal. So big example of two players that are ready, like we talked about when we talked about the development camp practices. Newhook and Byram are ready. Newhook with four assists in this game. Byram looks plenty solid himself, really nothing to complain about with his game. Scores the winning goal. Shane Bowers also looks great in this tournament as well. He picked up two goals in this game, and I think we talked about it a little bit before, but he looks ready to maybe not make the NHL roster out of camp. I wouldn't say it's impossible for him to. He's I think he's got an uphill climb, but he is one good training camp away from at least earning some NHL minutes this season, which he's, for some reason, just never gotten as of yet. But this training camp is almost certainly the most important of his career, and this development camp is a great start for him if this is any any indication of what to come. He looks faster. He looks stronger. Bednar said today that he looks like almost a different player than he was at last season, so... It'll be interesting to see what Bowers can do, but this has been a great start for him. The Avalanche, they pick up the win in this one, even after the incredibly slow start. And that's the last we saw of Byram, Newhook, Bowers, and Sampo Ranta in this game, just because there's really no point in risking them at in any capacity in that third game. I mean, we saw what happened to Zegris in the second game. He gets a slash to the back of the legs from a guy who's probably never going to play in the NHL, in Matthew Boucher. I mean, no offense to Boucher, but he's playing on the fourth line in the development tournament, and Trevor Zegras is a top three favorite to win the Calder this season. It's not exactly an equal exchange, but they take them out in the third game. We They got their warm-ups. They're up to game speed. They're clearly well above this competition. Really no point in playing them in any capacity, and this one, this was a weird one. The Avalanche won this one seven to four. A lot of back and forth in this game. The Avalanche they go up pretty early in this one, and the Sharks score four straight goals in the second period to take a four to two lead. This was a very weird one. After the first, it was one to nothing. Alex Bukaj showing that incredible shot of his, and Andreas Wingerly who. Had a pretty solid tournament, I gotta say. Wingerly was pretty good. Puts up a goal in the second period as well, as well as the assist on the Bukaj goal in the first period. And then the Sharks storm with four in a row to take the 4-2 lead, and the Avalanche just 
completely pull away late with four goals of their own in the third period to put this game away. Granted, two of them were empty netters. If you take them out, they still would have won this 5-4. to four. And they get the goals in this game from, obviously, Alex Bukaj, Andreas Wingerly. They got one from, why can't I find him, Nick Henry, another guy on the fourth line. Wingerly picked up another one in this one as well. Granted, into the empty net, but still counts all the same. And Jean-Luc Foudy gets an empty netter as well. And I I talked about it a little bit a couple episodes ago. I love Jean-Luc Foudy. He has taken full advantage of every opportunity that's been put in front of him over the last few years, playing very well in the AHL. He's done nothing but impress in this development tournament. He's not NHL ready yet, but the fact that he's made this many strides already is an amazing sign for the Avalanche. No one expected him to be as good as he is right now at just 19 years old. And for those who don't remember, Jean-Luc Foudy, third round pick in 2020, so just last draft, and he has done everything that's been asked of him so far. He'll probably be staying in the AHL this season, and that puts him way ahead of schedule where we probably would have had him sent back to the OHL if the world kind of stayed the same. He never would have really gotten the opportunity if there hadn't been season cancellations, but Foodie has gone from a guy that was kind of buried in the Avalanche's development system to a guy that's kind of shot up it relatively recently, and he's still not one of the biggest names in the system, but you give him until next year, we might have to be talking about this guy might be threatening to crack the maybe not full-time NHL roster but start getting some minutes at some point down the line and we might have to start looking at can this guy really make the team and what are we going to do with that if we have obviously McKinnon and Newhook and Jost like where would he fit in here so it's an excellent problem to have but it's going to be something to keep an eye on over the next couple of years I I love watching him play foodie is outstanding and it'll be a big indication this season with another year in the AHL about just how far along in his development he is he still has to work on his shot but he makes things happen a lot and you can you can get away with maybe not having the best shot in the world if you just do a ton of stuff right you'll make the NHL eventually and foodie I can't wait to see what he can do and Andreas Wingerly he scored a couple goals in this final game Truthfully, I didn't. I don't really know a ton about Wingerly coming into this tournament. I kind of, admittedly, have ignored him over the last little while. But a uh, 24-year-old guy, undrafted, 5'8", a pretty small guy, and doesn't have any NHL experience. And this is, we've signed him uh, in June to just uh, a one-year deal, and. It looks like he's impressed in development camp so far, and if he just continues to do things right in training camp and in the AHL this season, I mean, if injuries start to pile up at some point down the line, Wingerly is he's going to make himself an option for a depth choice somewhere down the line. I think I've talked about how teams overrate size in the NHL, but Andreas Wingerly is. 5'8 and 163 pounds. I mean, he is dealing with the definition of an uphill battle to get into the NHL. And he's already 24, but he he's at least put himself on the right track so far in development camp. 
We'll see what he can do in training camp and in the AHL this season. I mean, every team has to deal with injuries at some point, and over a full 82-game grind, there might be certain points where the Avalanche are pretty shorthanded. And Wingerly, it's the ball's in his court. If he continues to, to play well and keep up the pace and continue to do all the things right at in the American Hockey League with the Eagles... It'll be pretty hard for Bednar and staff to to make the argument that he shouldn't be playing. So the ball's in his court now if he can continue to do that, but we'll see what he can do. I don't have a ton of high hopes. He'll maybe get a couple of games in a best-case scenario for him, but he definitely made some noise at this tournament, and we'll see what he can do down the line. And finally, I just wanted to touch on Oscar Olauson as he played in this tournament. Very raw. So I, I can put it like that. He is still very raw. He's got a long way to go before he's truly ready for the NHL or even really the AHL. He's going to go back to the OHL or go to the OHL this season. He's going to be very, very good. That is not in question. And, you know, I'm not concerned with the fact that he wasn't very good in this tournament and the fact that he still has a lot of growing to do. You know why? Because he's, he's 18. And the fact that he's even here at all getting a head start on his development is great. And the fact that he is going to be at training camp tomorrow, or by the time you're listening to this today, and training with the team and getting his experience, he's going to be probably one of the first guys cut, but that doesn't matter. He's going to be getting that valuable experience and taking it back with him to the OHL. I mean, that that's still worth something. You can't really take too much of his performance into account here because let's face it this is an 18 year old kid who just got drafted and the fact that he's already here and getting this valuable experience means something and it matters so I'm not all that bothered by the fact that he maybe was a little out of place here that should be expected you know and maybe the avalanche had higher hopes for him that he should be playing in the AHL this season uh that Definitely should not be the case at all. He's going to go to the OHL. He's going to be very good. He's going to get some confidence, and he's going to take a lot of the lessons that were learned in this development camp and eventually down the line with training camp tomorrow. And it's going to be very good for his development. So I'm excited for the fact that he's already here and getting that valuable development experience already. I don't really take much of his performance into account here. We'll check back on him probably next year. We'll check on him a couple times in the OHL. I don't expect him to make it very far in training camp. He might play in the preseason game for a couple minutes against Vegas. I think that's a best case scenario, but we'll see. Uh, There's not much to really expect from him right now. He's the kind of player. I mean, I said this when he was drafted. I'm not expecting Olauson to be in the NHL playing consistent minutes for probably at least four years from now. And yes, he's a first round pick and he's like, oh man, he's a, he's a bust. I mean, this was a weaker draft. We all know that. Not a great draft. And 28th overall pick. And the fact that he's already here, I think shows that we are still doing pretty well with him. There are other guys that might never see the guys that they drafted in the first round of last year's draft. So Olauson, he's a development project. He's not going to be a superstar in the NHL. But the fact that he's here already, I think is going to be very good for him. But that's about it from the rookie tournament. Basically, the big takeaways from that are is that Newhook and Byram 
are ready. Shane Bowers looks excellent and is a great player and is has a real shot for NHL minutes this season. And outside of that, maybe not a lot to take out of that. But moving on now to something I wasn't expecting coming into this episode, but Hey everybody, hope you're enjoying the episode so far. Interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook. Week 2 of football is in the books, and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for Week 3 with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off another action-packed week, DraftKings is giving new customers $150 instantly when they bet $1 on any football game with no strings attached. It is as easy as it sounds. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 on any week three game, any single one of them, no matter what team, no matter the odds, to receive $150 in free bets instantly. Doesn't even matter if you're right. You're just getting that $150 in free bets right away. And if DraftKings Sportsbook is not yet available in your state, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. And DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. There is no reason not to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $150 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Now, back to the episode. We have training camp updates from Jared Bednar. I mean, I guess I should have assumed something was coming since training camp is on Thursday and today is Wednesday. Maybe I should have expected them to say a couple things, but we've got some stuff to actually talk about, some previews for what's going to be happening in training camp, and unfortunately some injury news, but also some good news as well. We can start with the worst news, and probably the most important news is that Devon Tays is going to miss a few games due to some shoulder surgery that he had. It's not going to keep him out long, but it is going to keep him out for the beginning of the regular season and just oh my god come on <laughs> like we can't even just start the season fully healthy like we can't even just have like the first game to be completely healthy because you know maybe Taze comes back and everyone's still healthy at that point but forgive me for being a little cynical that I just don't believe that's gonna happen Surely at some point someone's going to get injured along the way, and by the time Taze comes back, we're going to be like, well, now we got to wait for Blank to, to come back before then as well. So kind of annoying because we're dealing with all these injuries last season, and we can't, we can't even just start this season healthy. We couldn't even start last season healthy. We had Francois right away to deal with and Eric Johnson to deal with, and then Injuries piled up over time, and it felt like we were never playing with a healthy roster. And to be fair, you're frankly never going to be playing with a healthy roster, and that's the same thing for every team in the league. But, you know, maybe I was just hoping, maybe I was even a little deluded to think that maybe we could just get a couple games 
of a fully healthy roster before the injuries started to pile up. I know Taves isn't going to be out long. I'm not overreacting. This is nowhere near the end of the world. I mean, it would certainly help to have him. It's not like we have the easiest stretch to begin the season. I mean, they, they didn't give an exact timetable for him to be out, so I'm just going to assume the the first two weeks of the season, so like the first five games of the year. Honestly, why don't we just extend it to the entire month of October? Because the entire month of October is not easy. They're our easiest game of the season, I think, is our first game of the year, and that's against the Blackhawks. And that is by no means going to be an easy game. Right after that is St. Louis. Then we're hitting the road to play Washington, Florida, and then Tampa, and then coming home to play Vegas, and then hitting the road for St. Louis, and then coming back home to play Minnesota. Those are all teams, except Chicago, that made the playoffs last season. One of them, the defending Stanley Cup champs. The other, the team that beat us to get to the third round. Other one is Washington, who it's always a 50-50 shot against them as to who's going to win that game. It feels like they always go back and forth season by season. It's going to be a ton of fun. I'm going to be there, by the way. And then Florida, who I am fully in on this season on being a, a good team. So I would definitely prefer to have Taze for some of these games. I mean, he's going to be back. It's not that big a deal. He's going to be fine. It's not a huge concern. He's been skating. He's just not cleared for contact as of yet. That's going to change. And... I don't know. I mean, my, my gut feeling tells me he's going to miss five games. I'd, I'd want him back before the Vegas rematch on the 26th for the sixth game of the season. But, like, we, could, we couldn't just start the season healthy. Like, couldn't just have one game. Just, just one. That's all I wanted. Just one game. So can we get Taze back? And might be a little out there. Can we get Taze back and just have a healthy roster? just like a little bit indulge me just a little bit of a healthy roster as a treat for all of the injuries we had to deal with last season can we just get this one little present from the hockey gods can we get taze back and just leave it for a little while can we just enjoy a healthy avalanche team for what will probably be the first and only time in our lives so Taze will miss the first couple of games of the season. Not a big deal, but annoying nonetheless. But really the only negative injury news to come out of this was that the good news is that Pavel Francouz is totally healthy, 100%, and ready to go and play goaltending this season. And so is Eric Johnson. Because we all know coming into last season, they were injured. We didn't know what the situation with them was going to be. Francois missed the entire season. Eric Johnson played five games after coming back and then missed the entire season. It was to see that they're healthy, or at least they're saying that they're healthy, and the plan is to go ahead with them. Inspires confidence in me that they're going to be there this season. Now, you never know. I mean, obviously, Eric Johnson's dealt a lot with injuries in the past, you never know what's going to happen. He might be completely healthy, and that might change a couple games into the season. With Francois, I am very much put at ease to hear that he is 100% healthy and ready to go. All, all the concerns I had with him a couple weeks ago about how he's going to bounce back, it makes me feel a little bit better, at least, that he's going to be ready to go. It might be a little bit of like a knocking off some rust for him, especially considering he will not have played hockey 
in over a year at that point, at least professionally. So maybe the first couple games with him might be a little rough. I'd be curious to see when we would go to him for the early portion of the season because, like I just went over, uh, this early portion is not particularly easy. I mean, Kemper would definitely... I mean, you, you start your best goalie in the, the home opener, and Kemper, Kemper is going to get that start. Do you put Francois in in the next game against the Blues? I don't know if you do. Do you, I, I don't. I wouldn't think you put him in against. I mean, do you really want Francouz's first game in over a year to be against Ovechkin and that one timer? That might be a a bit of a confidence killer. And with Florida, I I don't know. Maybe I, either St. Louis or Florida is probably when he gets that first start. I mean, that would make the most sense to me at least. Maybe Florida. I mean, because that's St. Louis. That's their season opener against us on the 16th maybe you keep Kemper in there for that I don't know it'll be interesting to see what Bednar decides to do maybe I'm just completely overthinking this and that's probably a reasonable assumption because I I tend to do that a lot but good to see that they're both healthy and ready to go and continuing on Alex Newhook and his domination at development camp Bednar says he is going to get opportunities to play in the top six this season, especially during training camp and right away. So it'll be up to him to make the best of those opportunities, according to Bednar, and see what he can do with them. The direct quote from Bednar is, I want to give him the opportunity to play in the top six. It'll be up to him if he makes the most of the opportunities. So if nothing else, they are planning to at least let Newhook win the job. They're not going to block him with Comfer or someone else and just stick him on the fourth line because he's young. It seems like they have the right idea with him, and they're get, it's not his spot right now. He has to earn it, but it's a pretty good assumption that they're— well, it's not an assumption. They said that they're going to give him the opportunity to get the job, which is what I like to hear. And I mean, who knows if he'll get it right away. At very least, I think we're going to end the season with Alex Newhook in the top six. Because you know what? Maybe he doesn't get it right out of training camp. Maybe he's just not there yet. I mean, he looked great in development camp, but I've said uh, a million times that he is well above that level of play at that point. And playing top six minutes in the NHL is nowhere near playing against guys on amateur tryouts in the the rookie tournament. So I I think he can do it, and I expect Newhook to be in the top six for opening night against Chicago, but I wouldn't be shocked if he's not. I mean, Comfer can probably still be in that spot for now anyway, at least for the short term. There's going to be a point where Newhook is going to be that guy in the top six along Kadri and Burakovsky. It might not just be right away. So I warn you guys, if Newhook doesn't get it right away, don't panic. It's not because they're blocking his development or that, oh, he's not ready for the NHL level. Maybe he just needs a little bit of easing into it. I mean, it's an 82-game season. So we've got a long time to figure this out before the playoffs. If he doesn't get it day one or even month one, don't freak out. He's going to be fine. Newhook is going to be a top six player on this team this season and many years down the line in the future. If it's not right away, don't worry about it. It'll all get figured out and he's going to be fine. And I don't even know why I'm bringing this up because it seems like the indication is is that they are going to give him every opportunity they can 
to get that top six spot, and it's his to lose, and if he performs, he'll get it. And all I'm saying is he might not. And I know that might seem like that's what the plan is, but he might not get it. So don't freak out. We've got a long season ahead of us, and I think he's going to get it because he's an excellent player. And one of the more interesting things that um, Bednar brought up is uh, Curtis McDermott, who I have, to be fair, I've shit on him ever since we acquired him in a trade. I have said that Curtis McDermott is not very good. We shouldn't have spent assets on this guy. And I'm going to cool it on him until I see him play. I'm going to stop from now on. Not on Jack Johnson. Jack Johnson was not brought up here, so I will not be talking about him unless I have to. McDermott is a different guy. He's signed by the team, so we are going to be playing him. And he said on McDermott that he's going to start the year as a defenseman, but is also willing to try out left wing. Bednar says, this is all coming from Peter Ball, by the way, of The Athletic. I plan on using him. Our guys are excited to have someone there that, if needed, can take care of business. So, I mean, we were kind of right as to why they acquired McDermott. It's not because he's good. It's because he'll he's big and can get the flies off of people's backs, if need be. And it's, I didn't think that there was a possibility of playing him on the left wing I mean I don't really know what situation we would be in where Curtis McDermott needs to be playing on the left wing I mean it's not like we don't have guys that can step in on the left wing and I know none of them are Curtis McDermott but if you want to play Curtis McDermott you could just play him on defense like would we not be better off just playing seven defensemen on a certain night and just playing McDermott instead of putting him on the left wing? Like, I don't really understand what this is and what situation we would need to do this in, but I'm certainly intrigued to see where we could be going with it. Uh, Intrigue's not always a good thing, but, I mean, I'm open-minded to McDermott, Especially, I mean, if he makes if he makes a difference in getting the flies off of a McKinnon's back or a Gerrard's back or McCarr, then I'll be fine with him. But left wing, I mean, I mean, you're you're the you're the head coach. You're the guy with all the years of hockey experience and knows how to run the team, I guess. But it's a very interesting to say the least i'll be we'll be following that see if that actually comes to pass i don't want to take too much stock in a a quote set a day before training camp even begins but looks like they're gonna plan to use mcdermott i mean we we've got some pretty good defensive depth if that's the case i mean once taze is healthy i mean i just talked about taze is not going to be healthy and who knows what's going to happen between him being healthy and now but there could be certain nights where it might benefit to play McDermott over like Ryan Murray maybe I mean Murray's not I mean Murray also has an injury history that he has to deal with I mean if you look at the Avalanche's defensive depth right now it looks really good especially now that I'm looking at it with like a fresh set of eyes once Taze is healthy you've got McCarr and Taze on that top pair 
And if Byram, he's like, Bednar said he's also going to get the opportunity to crack that top four, same as Newhook. It's just a little more obvious that that was going to be the case. But let's say he does and Byram's good. Then you have Byram and Gerard, and then you have Eric Johnson playing with Ryan Murray. That is some very good defensive depth. And Curtis McDermott, he's not as good as any of those guys, but he's bigger and can bring something else to the table that none of those guys, maybe outside of Johnson, really bring. So, I mean, as a role player to use sporadically, I'm more open to the idea of Curtis McDermott. The left wing, though, I you're, you're losing me. I mean, if there are guys hurt and you need to fill a spot at left wing, I mean, in an emergency, maybe? Like, if you're in Canada and you can't call up a, a, a Sampo Ranta or anyone like that to come up and play on the left wing, then I, I guess I could see that. But in like a normal you-have-option situation, I can't see why we would do that. So and regardless, something to keep an eye on nonetheless. But Bednar also named players like Alex Newhook, Sample Ranta, and Mikhail Maltsev as players he's excited to see in training camp. I mean, Maltsev is going to be a pretty interesting wrinkle to follow during this training camp and during the season because they went out and deliberately acquired him in the Ryan Graves trade, and he's pretty much been penciled in on the fourth line ever since we acquired him. They were, they've were they been very straightforward that that is the plan, that they like this player and that they're going to play him. And to see, to see him named by Bednar as a guy that he's excited to see in camp is definitely interesting. And also Sampo Ranta is, he has a lot, he had a lot of hype coming into the rookie tournament. He delivered in a lot of instances. He looked very good. I'm very interested to see what our plans with him are going to be this season because another third round pick, this guy in 2018, we all, we all know Rambo Santa. I don't need to reintroduce him again. I feel like I just do that out of habit sometimes, but obviously he made his debut in the playoffs last season. That kind of came out of nowhere and show that they have some level of faith in him. If they're willing to put him in against the friggin' Golden Knights in the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs, that shows they believe in him at least a little bit. And he he was pretty good in this rookie tournament. I didn't really talk about him on the last segment, but he, he was pretty good. And to see him now getting named by the coach, he might have an opportunity to win a job at training camp. I think, like Bowers, who we'll talk about in a second, has an uphill battle ahead of him to get that spot. But if he at least performs well in training camp, he might be one of the first guys that gets called up in the case of injury. I mean, Cout is another guy that could get that opportunity. He's a, a right winger, and Ranta plays on the left wing. So if there's ever a, an injury, like let's say to Maltsev or to Nichushkin that hurts our wing depth a little bit, Ranta could be that guy that comes up and plays right away. If not him, it could be Dylan Sakura. But surprisingly, we have a lot more right wing depth than we do on the left wing. We might be seeing Ranta... Uh, a little more than we might have expected coming into this season, especially since he performed so well at the rookie tournament. And if he performs well in training camp, I mean, if he performs really well in training camp, he might just win that job outright. I mean, there's going to be a, a good amount of competition going on this season, especially with you add Artem Anisimov into that mix as well. He could be in the, the mix for that left-wing spot, but you have Maltsev and Ranta and now Anisimov 
and Kout and Olison's going to be there too, but I guess he's probably going to be cut pretty early. And there's some decent competition going on here for that spot. So training camp tomorrow is going to be plenty interesting to follow. And probably the last guy to keep an eye on at training camp, like we talked about earlier, is Shane Bowers. Bednar said that he looks completely different than he did last season. And he, he could very well earn a spot at some point as well. I mean, because if Darren Helm doesn't work out and he just doesn't have it anymore, we're going to have a hole at fourth line center because when I talk about this, I usually look at the depth charts on cap friendly just to keep me up to date and make sure I'm not missing anything. And right now they have new hook penciled in as the fourth line center. That's not going to happen more likely than not. It's more likely going to be Helm at the fourth line center. But if Helm doesn't work out or he gets injured, Really, there's got to be no excuse anymore to not call up Shane Bowers and to give Bowers the opportunity that he's deserved, especially since he's impressed so much already at this point in just the few games of the development tournament. And if he has a good training camp, the there's going to be no argument to be made against him at this point. And Bednar said directly that Bowers was much improved at the rookie tournament and looks quicker and more poised. Direct quote is, I see him as a guy similar to Martin Kaut that will come in and have a nice training camp for us. I mean, these guys are running out of time to make the NHL, but the door is kind of open for them right now to, to get those spots. Maltsev, I mean, as much as they've hyped him up as being that guy that they've acquired him for a specific purpose of playing his job isn't necessarily secure I mean if he doesn't if he doesn't have a good training camp or a good preseason and Ranta Kaut or Bowers does not far-fetched to think that one of them will get that spot instead I mean we'll see what happens with Maltsev he's an interesting wrinkle to throw into this whole thing but one of these guys I think is going to get some serious ice time this season and probably next season going to start making the team more consistently. And Bowers looks like the guy that's made the biggest jump this season and is ready to go. And Martin Kaut didn't play in the development tournament or the, the rookie tournament, development tournament. I said I was going to say development camp, and then I was going to say rookie tournament. So I just said development tournament. I guess technically that's right. But at the rookie tournament, Martin Kaut was not there. And Shane Bowers was. So Kaut, like... We just haven't seen him since last season. So we'll see how he does at training camp and in the preseason. But these guys are not out of the jobs yet. And even if they don't, even like Newhook, if they don't get them right away, don't freak out. They'll, they will probably get their opportunities at some point down the line, Like especially with Bowers. I'm a, I'm a, from what I've seen from Bowers over the last week or so and the, all the general consensus around him from the Avalanche organization, I believe in Bowers this season, that he's going to not only get into the NHL, but might even stick around for a little bit. Maybe not right away, maybe not even halfway through the season, but eventually he's going to get in there, and I think he's going to be pretty good. It might take a, a sec. I mean, I can't believe Bowers has never played in the NHL. I feel like we've been talking about him forever. I mean, because we kind of have. He was he came over in the, the Matt Duchesne trade, and that was, uh, come November, that'll have been four years ago now, which is kind of crazy to think about. So we've almost had Bowers for four years at this point. And we'll see what he can do this season. And if if it doesn't work out this season, then there's probably a chance that, like I said a couple episodes ago, that he might get moved. And because at the trade deadline, the Avalanche are going to have to do something. I mean, 
you look at Tampa the last few years, and normally I would say the trade deadline doesn't matter. I don't think you need to spend big at the trade deadline. You just need to get the right pieces. But the Avalanche, they don't have their first or their second to, to work with at the deadline this season, and no fourth either. So, I mean, if they're going to want to make a big profile trade, which maybe they don't, Maybe this never happens, and I'm talking about nothing here, which is always a possibility, but Cout or Bowers might be one of those guys that goes the other way just because they're one of their more valuable assets right now. And if they don't want that and they want to play here, then they're going to have to impress not only at this training camp, but for the rest of the season because the odds are stacked against them to make the team on opening night. Maybe they do, but they're gonna, if they don't, they're going to have to keep impressing down at the AHL level and to remove any argument that they should not get a shot at the NHL level. But it'll be interesting to see what happens with all of it. Artem Anisimov, we talked about a couple episodes ago, brought in on a PTO. The defenseman that shall not be named for fear that I shall break into a rant. And recently they brought in Gabriel Fontaine on a PTO as well. See what he can do, 24 years old. Hasn't played in the NHL, spent the last couple years with the Rangers organization and the Hartford Wolf Pack. Kind of unremarkable numbers. He played four games last season. I don't know why. I'm not up to date on Gabriel Fontaine, unfortunately. But in the last normal season, 72 games in the AHL, he had 11 goals and 26 points. Played 13 games in the shortened season, one goal, two assists, three points. Don't know what happened with that, whether it was injuries. I'm not up to date, like I said, on... Fontaine, but they brought him in on a PTO, primarily a center. I don't really expect a whole lot out of that, so I'm not really going to spend a lot of time on it. But yeah, we're pretty much ready to go for training camp. It's kind of, it's hard to believe that it's taking place tomorrow. By the time you're listening to it, if you're listening to this when it comes out, it'll be today. Kind of this off season went pretty fast, like we and it kind of feels like it never really ended either. I mean. This offseason delivered in every way, except except for the Eichel and Tarasenko trades that never happened. This offseason was important, like around the league. This was very entertaining. Between the offer sheet of Kok and Iemi kind of breaking up the, the mundane silence a few weeks ago, and now we're already almost at the finish line. I mean, training camp is not, it's not the regular season starting. I mean, the regular season starting is completely different from this, but training camp, like, it's it's stuff. It's stuff to talk about. It's leading into the regular season. Who's going to make the team on opening night? And it's kind of the beginning of the new season for for the players, at least. Like this is where the season begins. This is day one of trying to win the Stanley Cup, and it's hard to believe that we're already here and we are less than a week away from game one of the preseason, and we're really close to game one against the Blackhawks on. October 13th, this is going to be one hell of a season that I cannot wait for. One last thing to touch on before we go. Last episode was all about Minnesota, a little bit about Kirill Kaprizov. He signs now with Minnesota at exactly what Isha said he would sign at, $9 million for five years. He'll be at training camp for the Wild. He'll be there to start the season. I was kind of expecting this to drag on a little longer, but it seems like that they worked it out. And maybe unfortunate for the rest of the Central, but it's good for the Wild, at least, that he's going to be there for five years. It's going to walk him to unrestricted free agency, but now I don't think they care because they have him for at least five more years. 
$9 million is a lot, but he's not your typical 24-year-old. I mean, he's also not your typical only played 55 games in the NHL. And maybe with a, a normal season under his belt and a year with the Wild already under his belt, he'll be even better. So that does get done for Minnesota. I was, I was kind of, I was deep down, I was kind of, I didn't want him to sign. Not even just because they would screw over the Wild, but just because I wanted the drama. But we might still get that from other people because we've got three big names still left unsigned. I mean, the RFA list has kind of been cleared out over the last couple days. Kaprizov signs, Robert Thomas signs, Rasmus Dahlin signs, Cal Peterson signs, or was Peterson? Peterson, I think, was on a... No, Peterson was not an RFA. He got extended. But uh, Nolan Patrick signed as well in Vegas, but three of the big names, Kaprizov, Thomas, and Dahlin, come off the boards, and you've got three left. And two of them are with Vancouver, Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes and Brady Kachuk. And to be honest... Uh, I think Brady is the one that's going to carry over into the season. I think Van- I think Vancouver gets theirs done. Uh, like like Isha said, that they were waiting for Kaprizov's number a bit. And now that that's done, they'll see where they land on that. Hughes will be interesting because I just don't know if they'll have the money to to give him. I mean, uh, they've got to be putting someone on LTIR here. Michael Farland might give him an extra 35 in cap, and didn't have as much room as I thought, honestly, but it's almost certain that Hughes is going to get a bridge deal, and Pedersen, they'd be smart to lock him up to the long-term deal now. I mean, he's at his lowest value right now. He was injured last season. If you put him on a bridge deal, then he's going to cost a lot more down the line, but we're down to that in terms of RFAs, and training camp is tomorrow for the Avalanche and around the league, a lot of teams are starting their training camps tomorrow. The NHL season is just around the corner. It has almost officially begun, and I cannot wait to get it started. I cannot wait to start this 82-game journey with all of you and to just have a normal season because I, I haven't experienced that on this show before. So it's kind of like starting fresh again because last season was very unique. It's never going to happen again. It got... A little predictable after a little while and kind of dragged on, but I can't wait to see where this season is going to take us this year. And I can't wait to share the journey with all of you. But as for this edition, that's going to do it for this episode of the Tell It As It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Thank you all so much once again for tuning in. The numbers have been going up over the last few weeks or so. So welcome to all of the new listeners, and thank you once again to the listeners that have been around for a while. I appreciate all of you all the same, and hey, I mean, on Chartable, we are ranked once again in Sweden, and we are still top 25 in the Netherlands. We are right now the 155th best hockey show or most downloaded hockey show in Sweden, and we are 24th. In the Netherlands. So shout out to you guys in particular, but shout out to every single one of my amazing listeners. I can't wait to share this journey of this season with you. I hope it ends in, with a Stanley Cup, but regardless, I cannot wait to get started. And I will be back on Monday, hopefully with another rundown of the Central Division. I've been trying to to book someone for the Jets or the Blackhawks, but 
as of right now, scheduling hasn't worked out perfectly as of yet. I will do everything I can to resolve that before Sunday when I record, but I'll work all that out in due time. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I will catch you all next time when we have a couple days at training camp under our belt, and we will be a day away. And by the time that episode is out, it will be that day, or no. It's on Tuesday, right? Did I just completely screw that up? It's on Tuesday, right? Yeah. So we have one episode left before um, the preseason begins because I will be recording on the same day as the preseason game against Vegas. I might as well wait to record that one. So we will see. Or did I screw that up again? I'm looking. I'm looking at the regular season schedule. But regardless, it is on a Tuesday anyway. So that's just... <laughs> That's just how the exhibition and regular season look. They looked exactly the same. But regardless, that's going to do it for this edition of the Teledabs of this podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I will catch you all next time. Enjoy the rest of your day.